guys and welcome back to another episode of an open book a podcast we have to answer any questions you may have about the christian walk be sure to go back and watch any episodes you may have missed follow our social media subscribe to our youtube channel and of course as always ask any questions you may have we're not afraid of your questions we're an open book over the next couple weeks we're going to be delving into the question who is jesus ultimately you can't understand christianity unless you understand the man on whom christianity is based jesus christ himself so over the next several episodes we're going to be delving into some of his attributes namely his love his justice his humility his holiness and finally a discussion on the humanity and deity of jesus christ it is our hope and prayer that throughout this series that you would come to see jesus as a person that he really is He's not a God that is far off, up in the clouds, waiting for us to do wrong so He can strike us down with lightning. He is a personal, caring, loving God that was willing to send His only Son into the world to die just so that you could have a relationship with Him. So, as we go throughout this series, I would urge you and encourage you, keep your Bibles handy. You're going to need them. But join me as we discuss the character of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of His fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. What is going on, everybody? I am Josiah Hopkins. And I am Lana Riley. And welcome to the Godcast. We are so glad that you've decided to tune in, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening to us on Spotify or some other streaming platform. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed episode one. We certainly had a blast preparing for and and, uh, being a part of that conversation a few weeks ago. But now we're switching to something different. Um, if you if you listen to the introduction, which, by the way, leave a comment down in the comments below on how awesome that introduction and cold open was. It gives me tingles every time I listen to it. It does. It gives me tingles. I would expect you to say, like, goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps as well, but it also gives me the tingles. Um, 
but, but we're talking about Jesus. Um, we're talking about how he came to earth and we're specifically narrowing down on some of his attributes. Um, we're talking about love today, but some of the other things that we're going to be doing in the following episodes to come, we're talking about his love again today. We're talking about his justice. And um, specifically in that episode, we're going to be talking about how do you balance those? Like where does love run out and where does justice begin? Um, why does a good God allow bad things to happen in this world? That's also a part of the justice conversation. Um, yeah, we're talking about that. We're talking about the humility of Christ and how he demonstrated that while he was here on this earth. We're talking about the holiness of uh, Christ and, and what that meant and what he did to exemplify that while he was here on this earth. And finally, we're going to get intellectual. We're going to have our first guest speaker, Glenn Meadows, the senior pastor at Cedar Falls Baptist Church. He's going to be talking with us on the humanity and deity of Jesus Christ. So that one's going to be a little bit brainier, um, more theological, inept to use uh, some different words in there. But it's okay. If you don't know what those mean, we're going to explain those. Um, but yeah, welcome. I also want to give a, uh, a little bit of a, a caveat. We do have a live studio <laughs> audience today. My mother and uh, another guy from the youth group, <laughs> they're here as well. So if you hear some slurping on, uh, on some drinks or munching on fries or anything like that, um, just want to go ahead and, and let you know that that is why. Um, so if you do hear people that are, that are laughing behind the scenes, um, that is for sure the reason why. Yep. But here's what we're going to do today uh, to kind of break things down, kind of our outline for what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the love of God, and so we're kind of separating that into two major parts. Um, we're talking about Jesus Christ himself and his attributes and uh, the way that he demonstrated that. We're going to look at the story of the woman at the well and kind of how he interacted with her and uh, truly exemplified what love was to look like with people that are different from you. And uh, all of the gaps and bridges that were made in the midst of just a short little conversation that we um, hear talked about in, in John chapter 4. We're going to take a, uh, a look at the cross and what happened at the cross and how ultimately the laying down of Jesus Christ, his life, uh, was the ultimate demonstration on what love is supposed to look like. Even amongst ourselves, among uh, believers, greater love has none than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. Um, but we're going to look about that. And finally... We're going to be practical and we're going to talk about what that means for us as believers. You know, again, ultimately the kind of the purpose and uh, goal behind this podcast is to learn how to grow better in our relationship with Christ. So it doesn't just mean understanding God better. It means practically applying what the scriptures have to say to our own lives just the same. So we're going to dive right in. Yeah. Actually, before we do, how are you doing today, Lana? I'm doing Pretty good. What makes you pretty good today? Got to sleep in. Yeah. And I got to see my sister uh -huh. and meet my new little baby cousin. Oh my gosh, she is so adorable. How old is your baby cousin? She is two weeks old. Two weeks? Two wow, weeks. so it's like a real She's newborn baby. Tiny, tiny. Straight out the womb. Yeah, she. Uh, I, I fed her. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeding her um, her bottle and she fell asleep. And um, I was just sitting on the couch and then she was like kind of like getting uncomfortable. So I just like laid her on my chest. I ended up falling asleep with her. Hmm. Like Hashtag mom brand. Way to go, Lana. Way to go. Yeah. We train them young here. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Regardless, uh, again, we're talking about the woman at the well, and uh, this is a story that's really near and dear to, to Lana's heart. So what you got? How are you, Josiah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm doing really good. Um, 
I got a rest day yesterday. We're actually filming this on a Tuesday. Usually we film these on uh, Mondays. On Mondays, yeah. But I got to rest. I got to play golf with a buddy yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's always special getting to hit around a small little white golf ball. And um, it's a good time for me. So really enjoyed that. But I'm doing really good today. Um, it's a chill week. Glad to be talking about Jesus. Yeah. Something yeah. something about Jesus kind of kind of makes my heart leap for joy. I'm not trying to be over spiritual when I say that either. But um, if I get teary eyed at any point during this, you know, this is kind of near and dear to both of our hearts very much. So, so um, yeah. Anyways. Woman at the well. Let's dive well. right in. What is the story all about for our listeners that have no idea what you're talking about? Um, t- talk to us about Jesus. Okay. So um, there is, you know, Jesus and then the Samaritan woman. And Jesus is in um, is Samaria is how you say it, right? Uh-huh. Samaria. Mm-hmm. I can't say names. That's okay. So, you know, Jesus is in Samaria. And so, you know, Jesus makes his way down to this well where this Samaritan woman is. And um, he was like, he looks at her and he's like, hey, give me a drink. Mm. You know, I'm thirsty. And the woman's like, why are you talking to me? Like, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Sure. We don't really, we don't mix like that. Yeah. And so Jesus is just like. Whoa, bro. Why do you think that? Let me also explain a little bit, too. Uh, If you look at the historical context of kind of the relationship between Jewish people and Mm -hmm. Samaritan people in particular, um, there was a a deep-seated racism um, that existed among those two different groups of people. So it would be um, similar if we draw some modern comparisons to the conflict that's going on um, uh, in Israel right now. Um, Kind of the gap that you see between... Uh, Israeli people and Palestine, that sort of animosity would have existed between Jewish mm-hmm. and Samaritan people just the same. So continue on, though. Yeah. So Jesus answered to her. He's red letters. Uh-huh. They're important, you know. Yep. He goes, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Mm. And so the woman was like, you don't even have a bucket. Like, mm. how am I supposed to get you water? If sure. You have no reason to hold the bucket. Uh-huh. And, um, so she's there, like, you know, just talking and Jesus is like, everybody drinks this water, right? But you still keep coming back Mm -hmm. to get more because you're still thirsty. But if you drink, like, if you, let me, let me read exactly what he says. Mm -hmm. But whoever drinks from the water that I give them will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him and it will become a well of water springing up from, springing up in him for eternal life. And so the woman goes, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. So then Jesus, Jesus was like, go call your husband. Mm. Right? This is where it gets hard. <gasps> this is where it gets crazy. <laughs> and the woman goes, I don't have a husband. And then, and then Jesus is like, you're right. You have seven. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Whoa. And then the woman's like kind of surprised. She's like, the woman's like, how did you know this? Like, what? That's kind of crazy. So... Then um, Jesus was like, oh, no, she had five husbands. Hmm. So then the woman was like, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And then she switches the the conversation, the subject. She doesn't want to talk about her husbands anymore. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. So she's like, okay, well, let's talk about you. Uh Um, She's like, believe her. 
Yeah. And then Jesus goes, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But, but an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Mm. So, yeah, they they like, you know, keep talking. And then the the, the woman is like, she goes back to all her Samaritans. Wait a second before you get there. Let's let's break down. There's kind of a, a whole lot there uh, that I would really like to to unpack because there's yeah. there's really so much about this story. And uh, surely, if you've if you're listening to this and you've ever heard this story before, I'm sure that you've heard a countless number of of sermons that have been talked about it. Matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, um, we we were kind of talking about um, the love of God, and I think this came up in the in the message that we did on a Wednesday night, so. something yeah. like that. But um, regardless, a whole bunch of stuff has been been talked about. But um, before we talk about what happens when she goes back and talks to the other people, um, I would just like to say that this is such, if you don't understand the historical context in which this conversation is happening, you really don't understand just how how radical Jesus is being in this in this conversation. We've kind of already narrowed down on the fact that Jews and Samaritans, they hate each other. So already they're not supposed to be having this, this conversation. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. They don't associate with one another. They don't hang out with one another. If you're a Jew, you're not a friend with a Samaritan person. It's just person. It just didn't happen. That wasn't a thing in this particular time period. So, so Jesus is already bridging a racial divide. So he has denied racism. He says that's bogus. Absolutely not. He has denied a, uh, a sexism that kind of existed in this particular time period where um, where patriarchy is really important and uh, the man is is the head of the household. And we get into a, a conversation about that another day. But uh, man is the head of the household and women didn't have a real place in society. Uh, they were primarily uh, child bearers and, and homemakers. So already for a man to be talking with a woman who is not in immediate kin, they're not family, they don't know each other. Um, already this is kind of, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. And we'll kind of see that in the way that the disciples, um, in the, the way that the disciples react when they come to see who Jesus is talking to and why that he's talking to her. Um, and there's also a, a shame that's denied just the same. So you notice in the conversation between Jesus and this woman at the well that um, kind of what Lana was reading a second ago, Jesus is calling her out in essence and is saying, um, you're right, you don't just have one husband, you've had five. And he even goes on to say mm -hmm. that the man that you're living with now is is not your husband. You're not married to him. You're just living together in the same house and you can draw whatever sort of conclusions that you want to. Um, arguably, she's she's actively living in sin, but he's doing so in a, in a loving way. There's purpose behind it. He's simply just saying that he's, he's the Messiah, ultimately. And if you look at the rest of the Gospels, you'll actually come to find that this is the first public proclamation that Jesus has made to anybody, um, that he's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the promised one. The, the person that the, the Jews and the Samaritans too, the faithful Samaritans that have been looking forward to this promised Messiah, this is the first time and instance in scripture in the gospels in which Jesus says, the one that you're looking for, the one that you're praying for, I am he. 
So he's demonstrating and breaking down all of these walls that society would say that we should have. Racism, no, we're not going to have that. We're going to deny racism. Jesus is an advocate for that. Sexism, absolutely not. I'm going to deny that, and I'm going to treat women equally the way that they deserve to be treated, the way that it has been ever since they were created in the Garden of Eden. They are to be treated with equality. We're denying shame. What you have lived your life up to this point, sure, whatever. But I've come so that you don't have to face the consequences of sinfulness. I've come to restore what is broken. I've come to show you what true and genuine love is supposed to look like. Even in the way that he's talking to her, you can almost feel the tensions sort of sort of rising, right? This woman doesn't want to get talked to. And so she's like, you don't even have anything to, to get water. So, yeah. so deal. Like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm not getting you any water. Yeah. And you'll even notice that Jesus never gets a drink of water in this, mm-hmm. in this interaction. She, she doesn't get him a drink of water. And, you know, they go on in their conversation. If you've, if you've watched the episode of, of The Chosen on kind of how this happens, I think they do a really good job of depicting just the, the tensions that are there. Like this is a emotionally hurt and distressed and traumatized woman that has been mistreated pretty much all of her life since her marriages started to go wrong. And so she is ostracized and she is an outcast in society. And again, we don't, we do really don't have enough time to, to delve into that, but, but Jesus is jumping over leaps and bounds over every single obstacle that would stand in the way of her receiving his love. He's jumping over all of it and giving reasons um, for, for her to accept him. He's like, no, 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 no. Like I, I understand. I get you. I know you better than you know you. And I'm still going to love and, and conversate and talk to and receive you just as you are. I've come to save you. And he did the same thing for you. We'll talk about that in just a second. Continue on, though. She gets excited. Yeah. What happens? So she gets excited and she goes back to, you know, the town she was in in Samaria. Mm-hmm. And she's like telling everybody. She's just like, hey, sure. I just met this guy at the well. He's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like, he just told me everything I'd ever done wrong in my entire life. Like, th- this is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, she's, like, telling everybody, and she's just, she's super, super excited about it. And honestly, like, reading the story and getting to this part of it, I was like, that's how we should all be. Mm -hmm. Like, we should be that excited to go tell people about Jesus and what he would do for us. Yeah. That's just crazy. It really is. And I think there's two things, too, from from that aspect. Mm -hmm. If you look at the story and kind of the testimony that the woman brings to the rest of the people— um, it's really interesting what she says. Um, where, where is it? She says in verse um, verse 39 of chapter 4 in John chapter 4, she says to the Samaritans that she goes to, he told me everything I ever did, which is super interesting because if you look at the rest of the story, the only thing that Jesus, at least that we get in John chapter 4, maybe they had more of a conversation, who knows, mm-hmm. right? But the only thing that we record that Jesus has said to this woman about her her life and what she has done is calling out the the thing that she has done wrong. And yet all of a sudden, what once was a cause for her to be full of shame, what once was a reason for her to be ostracized and an outcast in her society, that's why she's going to the well at noon and not in the morning, has all of a sudden become a testimony in which she is telling other people. So it's really interesting the flip that happens in this conversation and that, and that can happen in our lives just the same, that the thing that you are most ashamed of, the thing that you regret the most in your life, the things that have traumatized you 
um, and that you keep closest to your heart, the secrets that you're not willing to share anybody because you think to yourself, if they knew this about me, they wouldn't know. Well, that thing for this woman was her relationships with her past husbands and the relationship that she's in now with this man that, that is not her husband. Jesus draws that out and he says, I know and I forgive and I heal and I restore and I deliver and I set free. And for those of you that don't know, I literally just started to quote a sermon. A sermon jam from Judah Smith, but uh, for all you real ones out there that, that listen to, to Judah Smith, but uh, you should you should listen to Jesus's loving Barabbas on YouTube. Super good, and bring a tissue box because it makes me cry every time. But regardless, that was the first thing, and I don't remember what the second thing was that I was going to point out about that particular. Oh yeah, I do. I do remember what the second thing was. Um, this is a rhetorical question, but it's not a rhetorical question. Have you ever been in a relationship before? Yeah. Have you ever had a boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I always, I'll, I'll ask our live audience just the same. Hey mom, uh, <laughs> have you ever been in a relationship before? Yeah. Okay. So my mom has been in a relationship before with my present dad. Uh, shout out to you, dad, if you're uh, listening to this, but I think it's interesting, especially in when you get to the start of your relationship with a person, there is an eagerness and an excitement that happens where you just get giddies and goosebumps and all sorts of tingles that you get. And, um, you know, when you get around this person and you want to tell everybody that you're in a relationship with this particular person, like you would not believe who I'm in a relationship with now, especially if they're out of your league. Like, oh, man, that just no way. Like, there's no way that they like me. And uh, similarly to this woman, it's as if she is falling in love for the first time, mm -hmm. as if she has just got into a relationship, quite frankly, with the creator of the universe. And she is receiving this love for the very first time in her life. And there is a giddiness to it where she just wants to tell everybody, you would not believe this man that I just got into a relationship with now. He's my friend. He accepts me as I am. There is nobody that I've ever met that treats me the way that he has treated me. There's a giddiness to it. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, exactly what you were saying a second ago, how would it change this world if as believers, instead of just keeping what we have received to ourselves, we follow in the footsteps of this Samaritan woman who has received this love and we too have the same exact giddiness that she has and just telling everybody, you would not believe the love that I have received, regardless of what everybody thinks about her. Because everybody already thinks that she's this weird, um, shameful woman. Yeah, she's an outcast mm -hmm. in society. Um, she's willing to tell her story anyways. She tells because she's just so overjoyed at this relationship that she's just got into with Jesus Christ. So, yeah. You got anything else? No. Nope. Oh, okay. So that's, that's the woman at the well. Again, that's just scratching the service. I urge you and encourage you. Hope you have your Bibles with you, by the way. Uh, you're going to need them throughout this series, but read through John chapter four and then read it again. And then when you read it a second time, go ahead and read it a third time. Um, Cause there's just so much in that passage of scripture mm -hmm. and put yourself in the woman's shoes uh, put yourself as just a fly on the wall in that conversation and, and imagine what would have been going on in that conversation and the love that Jesus shows to this woman who it feels like has never really been shown love before. There's just so much that's going on there that really just exemplifies 
the walls that Jesus was breaking down and the, the radical, crazy sort of love that Jesus is showing to this woman. So we're going to skip over now um, to the greatest example of love in the way that Jesus demonstrated it in his life. Um, and it actually comes from the, the crucifixion. Uh, we kind of quoted it a little bit ago, but um, ultimately scripture says that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life uh, for a brother, for a friend, depending on the, the translation that you read. And so when we look at the life of, of Jesus and what he did, um, you will never get another example of the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated while he was here on this earth. Um, and the crazy thing about it is if you look at the original Greek language that the New Testament was, was written in, um, there's a bunch of different terms for love um, that is used in kind of describing different sort of things. There's a familial sort of love, a brotherly sort of love, which is uh, phileia, phileo, one of those, phileo or phileo. There is a, a romantic, erotic sort of love that you see uh, in, in romance. Uh, a husband and a wife, it's called eros. That's that particular kind of love. A passionate, um, crazed sort of love. That's erotic, eros. But there's a word that's used to describe the love of God that really is only used in descriptions of the way that God loves us. And it's this word called agape. Uh, maybe you've heard this, this word before. But um, the crazy thing about this agape love is the fact that it's unconditional. And uh, maybe you've been in relationships with people in the past um, who are only in a relationship with you for, uh, for a purpose and a reason, something that you can give them. Um, if you do this for me, then we can be in a relationship. If you, um, if you tell me that I look pretty and uh, take me out on, on dates to Starbucks because I love, I love Starbucks. Starbucks is great. Maybe that's a copyright infringement. I have no idea. But hopefully we don't have to pay for that. Don't sue us. <laughs> but that would be really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's there's conditional sort of relationships, and those are always super sort of annoying. And then you get those unconditional sort of relationships that you have, um, where even if you fall short, even if you mess up, even if you hurt the other person's feelings that's in the relationship, um, they're still going to stick with you through the end. And the crazy thing about it is the way that Jesus Christ came to this earth and demonstrated that love. In Romans chapter 5, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, Lana, I've got a question for you. Um, I used the same exact illustration the other night. That's crazy. Yeah. If, there was, if there was somebody, right, who was really good friends with you to your face, but behind your back, they talked bad about you and gossiped about you, but they were really nice to your face, mm -hmm. right? They were mm -hmm. really nice. Yeah. But behind your back, um, they told lies about you and just thought that you were a horrible person and whatever. Would you want to be friends with that person? No. no probably not. Like that, that would be toxic. Yeah. <laughs> like that would yeah. just be that bad relationship to be mm -hmm. in. Um, how about, how about this? You've got this buddy and uh, this particular, this particular person, uh, they love you and they demonstrate it in some ways, but they have this really bad habit of like beating you up every time that they see you. Like they yeah. punch you and kick yeah. you. And in fact, they get you, um, they get a bunch of their friends and they like to jump you whenever they're bored. Oh. They like to beat you up. Would you like to be in a relationship with this person? Um, Why not? Because that's not, that's not okay. <laughs> exactly. It's not no, okay. It's not okay. And it probably wouldn't feel good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. No. Uh, leave a comment below if you've ever been beat up and have liked it. <laughs> but um, to, to come back to it, the crazy thing about it is, and the way that God demonstrates his love is that's the kind of relationship that he has with us. Mm-hmm. And when you see what Jesus did on the cross, and even with the things that he was willing to say, one of the last things that he said while he was on the cross, before he left his breath, last breath, was Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so even in this moment, the the men that are putting nails in his hands, that are putting crown of thorns on his head, that are talking bad about him behind his back, and not just behind his back, but right in front of his face, that are spitting on him, um, all of the all of the people for all of time, because Jesus's death wasn't just for the people um, that were there in his immediate proximity. For all of time, Jesus looked through it all, saw all of the things that you have ever done wrong in the past, saw all of the things that you could ever do wrong in the present, and everything that you will ever do wrong in the future, the worst regrets, worst mistakes, most shameful things that you could possibly think of. And he said, I'm still going to die for them. Even though they are neglecting me, even though they beat me up, even though they talk about bad, they talk up, they talk bad about me behind my back when they think that I'm not paying attention. By the way, Jesus is always paying attention, yeah. always listening. Yeah. But um, he said, for the off chance that they will look past all of that and they will just look to the cross, I'm going to choose to die for them. Ultimately, God, who has been hurt more times. Uh, than we could ever possibly imagine by every single person on the face of the planet was still willing to die himself just so that we could be in a relationship with him because ultimately sin separates us from God. Mm -hmm. It, um, it causes a gap. It causes a divide that has to be bridged. The, the book of Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And it wasn't good enough for God, um, to sacrifice somebody else. He had to sacrifice himself. And so in sacrificing himself, he showed the ultimate example on what love was supposed to look like, um, not just for himself, but also for us as believers. And so with that, we're kind of going to transition into uh, to our next little section. There's an expectation, right? Like as believers and as Christ followers, um, it's not just that we will receive the love of God and it just be a one-time decision and it be our fire protection, so to speak, to protect us from hell, but it's a lifelong decision to, to follow God and to commit to giving him glory in absolutely everything that we do. And uh, the book of 1 John says that if, if we love God, we're going to love other people. And so Jesus talks about that in John chapter 13. Read us that passage of scripture. So in John chapter 13, verses 34... In 35, it says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sure. Talk about that some. It repeats love one another. It bro. Like three times. Like, <laughs> it does. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, God had showed God, Jesus, they showed their love for us by, you know, God sending his one and only son to mm. die. Yep. For our sins so that we could hopefully, you know, get into heaven one day. And Jesus is, you know, saying here that, you know, you need to, you need to show this love to, to other people hmm. and you need to like do this. And by doing this, that people will know that you were one of my disciples. And sure. That you know me. Hmm. That sort of stuff. Yeah. 
What's uh, what's crazy is too, you know, we talk, we kind of talked a second ago about how in the Greek language there's three different types of loves that you can show: a brotherly love, a romantic sort of love, and again, uh, a word that's almost exclusively used to describe the way that God loves us: agape. If you look at the original Greek for this passage of scripture, agape is the word that's used here. Um, so Jesus is in essence telling his people, telling his followers in this immediate context. Um, He's telling Peter, who, again, who's, who's going to deny him, um, love me in the way that I loved you. I agape love you. You need to agape love everybody that you come into context mm-hmm. with. And so, again, if you think about it, practically speaking, uh, more of a rhetorical question for anybody listening, I would venture to say you probably wouldn't die for somebody that you didn't know. You probably wouldn't die for somebody that you weren't in a relationship with. You probably wouldn't die for somebody who hated you. You probably wouldn't die for somebody who beats you up in the street. You wouldn't die for somebody who gossips about you behind your back. You wouldn't die for somebody who's fake. And yet that's the exact way that Jesus loved. It's so radical in its nature that it literally doesn't make sense. Sure. I'm sure we'll spend a, uh, another episode talking about like relationships of all kinds and, you know, people that you need to remove from your life and keep in your life just for your emotional well-being and also to, to grow in Christ likeness. There, there's a lesson to be learned there. But if you look at the, the words of Jesus, the way that we're supposed to love people is just so radically different from the way that the rest of the world loves. It's not good enough just to be kind to people. Jesus went above and beyond, and so he acts, He expects us to act in the similar sort of light. So I also say this, in, uh, in verse 35, again, Lana just read it, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In a, uh, in a day and age, I think, when Christianity is more known by the way that we judge people, and um, in our holier-than-thou mindsets and self-righteousness, it is amazing to me. It's almost as if Jesus knew that this would be the tendency of people that would follow him. He says, I don't want that to be the way that everybody knows you. It's got to be love. That has to be the thing that separates you from everybody else. There's going to be other religions that might do it better, um, that, that are kinder, that, um, that have to work their way into heaven. And so as a result of what they think they have to do, they just, they just do more. Um, but Jesus says the way that you love one another, the way that you treat one another, the way that you interact with one another on a day-to-day basis, the way that you think about one another, because even our thoughts exemplify our love that we can have towards one another, the caring things that you do for other people, that should be the thing that separates you from everybody else. Not the amount of times that you go to church on a day-to-day basis, not the amount of Bible verses that you can remember and memorize and put away in the filing cabinets of your brain to beat somebody else up with whenever you find out that they're doing something wrong and sinful. No, Jesus says the way that you love one another, that's going to be the thing that separates you from the rest of the world. That's how people are going to know that you're Christ followers. And again, if you, if you fast forward a little bit, after Jesus Christ dies, he resurrects, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And uh, his people, his disciples, end up uh, forming and establishing what's called the church. And we actually don't end up finding out what like a name for them, so to speak, is until we get later in the books of Acts. And uh, the scripture says that at Antioch, they were first called Christians. 
but Christians didn't name themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that a whole bunch of Christians uh, or a whole bunch of people that followed Christ decided, hey, I'm going to start a podcast and uh, we're going to call ourselves Christians because we followed Christ. And that's kind of a cool name. It's got Christ in the name and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. That's not the way that it was. It was other people that saw the way that these people who follow Jesus were living. And they thought to themselves, wow, their lives look a whole lot like Christ. This man that died and ascended, they look a whole lot like him. And so I guess we should just call them little Christs. That's what Christians mean if you translate the original Greek. And so what if, just what if, Christians today were to live in that sort of way that was so radically different that when when we experienced the love of God, that we went above and beyond to show that to other people, that we went above and beyond to, to, to tell about that love to other people just the same. By goodness, what if... What if we were to actually fulfill the the uh, the great commission and go into all of the world and and tell everybody uh, about the love of God, the love that He had for us, the love that He exemplified to us when He died on the cross? What if? Um, yeah. What else do we have? That's about it. That's all that we have for this episode. Make sure if you have any questions to reach out to us, whether it's on Instagram, leaving a comment on this video or however else you can reach out to us. I think that's about the only two ways though. Um, Next week or next episode, not next week, we're going to be talking about the holiness of Jesus. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And if you have any questions about that or anything we talked about in this episode, let us know. Peace. (laughs) See y'all next time. Mm -hmm.